Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk. And if busting makes you feel good, you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. All right, can we just get on with this now, please? Filmbusters. So, listeners, we're back again for another episode, and today we're doing a film that has been a very long time in the making. Hasn't it, Ben? It's been a long time in the making. It only came out three years ago, but uh, it's taken us a long time to cover it on this podcast, that's for sure. Mm, something hit around 2019 that, that kind of stopped us for some reason. Not sure what it was. 2020, early 2020, is when we all watched Doctor Sleep, and I feel like it was in the first month of isolation, lockdown. I, I remember going to the cinema to watch it. Oh, did you see it in the cinema, did you? Yes. I didn't. Mm, I watched it at home. I saw it in the cinema as well. Interesting. So it so must have been in 2019 we watched it. Maybe we were going uh, to, we didn't get around to it. If it was like something we wouldn't have missed. If it released October, November time, 2019, which I believe is when it would have released, what else would have taken our... Star Wars priority at that time no because we did Star Wars in 2017 <laughs> I'll tell you what let me scroll back through our catalogue and find out what we covered this at is that time conversation. here we go yeah the listeners want to hear so in November oh, I'll tell you what something must have happened because we recorded Terminator Dark Fate at the end of October and then we didn't record an episode again until early December The Irishman so for the entirety of November we didn't do anything you might have been at what you call it the film festival no that was October that was early in October I have some I have some sort of recollection that me and Adam watched it in the cinema and then you weren't able to go and then we decided we weren't going to do an episode on it strange November 2019 was not mm. a busy time. I can't, that's a long. I think this is possibly a, one of the longest gaps we ever had in podcasting up to that point. I'm scrolling through the months. We did like several episodes a month. Adam, were you away? No, it was definitely something to do with you, Ben, because me and Adam were primed, oh, well, ready to. Thank you very much. We were definitely ready and primed to to do the episode, but we just didn't. I don't know what it was. Either way, we didn't record for some reason at that point. Can you apologise? I'm sorry. I know November is always a it's always a busy month that kind of time of year, isn't it? Got one's birthday, and then it's just busy with works and plans of Christmassy and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it was just life. Adam's birthday and bonfire night, very busy month. Very busy in the first first little section of November. Yes. <laughs> yeah, strange. I don't know what was going on. If it's my fault, I apologise. But hey, it's just it's taken us three years to to get to it, so we we have more to talk about because of it. Mm. Like a fine wine, it's aged well, hopefully. Hopefully. Well, we'll see, has it? 
We'll see, yeah. won't we? We'll see. It's aged like the Overlook Hotel. Yes. Oh. That's nice. Nice reference. Right, before we move on to talk about the film, that is Doctor Sleep, we have a patron channel, everyone, at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters where we get exclusive content for all our favourite patrons we have on there. And uh, they get to basically control the show. It's all very fun. And we got an episode coming out at the end of this episode. What are we doing, Adam? We are talking about our favourite... Is that our favourite or our most recommendable yeah, so basically the topic is, since this is a Stephen King film, I, I want us to talk, give three recommendations of Stephen King adaptations that we think are noteworthy, worth watching, like avoiding the big ones that everyone fucking knows about, like Green Mile and Shawshank. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many Stephen King adaptations out there. Give a, give a shout out for those perhaps lesser talked about ones that are worth your time. Absolutely. Okay. I don't think I've seen many of them apart from the big ones, so. You'd be surprised. Have you got your three ready to go, Adam? Oh, look at it when we get there. I knew you had not. <laughs> yes. Ooh, it's, it's not one I have to think about. You just have to Google his films and then go, I've not seen that one, I've seen that one, that one's good. Don't even have to Google, mate. You just have to look at your letterbox. Letterbox, exactly. exactly. Same, same version of Googling. Yes. You're looking at a list of his films. <laughs> I would like to say something. Go on. You always I do. Know. I don't know what to say. Would you like to tell everyone what scores we have in the quiz? Yeah, so now it's quiz time. For those who are new to the uh, episode or the podcast as a whole, you may not be aware, but we have a quiz that we do every episode. And what happens is I ask the boys two questions. If they get the question right, they get a point. If they get it wrong, I get the point. Currently, as has been the case since the beginning of the year, Paul is running away with things, although his lead is not as big as it was a few episodes ago. He He's currently on 23 points. He's I'm coming out a bit rusty at the time of break. He is. He's on 23. I'm on 14. Adam's on 12. So... Today, Adam, you do have a chance to mm-hmm. level things up with me, all right? And I, I tell you what, this this week, there's a bonus point in the bargain. So, Adam... Oh, you love a bonus point. I do like bonus points. It's fun to do Brucey bonus. Benny bonus, as we call him on this Benny podcast. Bonus. Yes. This is not prices right. Uh, so, without further ado, let's do some questions for Dr. Sleep, shall we? Let's do it. All right, then. All right, so I hope neither of these questions relate to just what was in the director's cut, though, because then Adam's at a disadvantage. Oh. I don't, I don't think the first one will, but the second question may, but I'm not sure. But either way, Adam can raise his hand and say that wasn't in the thing, if it's the case. Uh, are you ready for question one? Yes. Yes. So there's a follow-up bonus point after this. So first question. What is the street number of Abra's house? Oh, 237. I see why you said it. It's not the one. Paul. I'm going to say 108. It's incorrect. So that's a point for me. Is but it got any relevant question? I'll tell yeah. Well, here we go. Okay. I'll tell you the year and then you get a bonus point for telling me why that number's significant, all right? She lives at 1980. When the original film came out. Very good, Adam. There's okay. one point for Ben and one point for Adam. She lives at 1980 when the original film came out. So that means Ben's on 15 and Adam's on 13. Paul's on 23. Here's a chance for an advance. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Before going to the hotel, what chip had Jack Torrance received? Uh, he's... Uh, Five oh. months. Well done, Adam. Uh, Look at that. Gets no points. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> this, what's going on? 
What's happened? <laughs> How did that come to your head so quickly, Adam? Because I knew the answer and you were stuttering and I was just like, oh. A five I knew it was months. Chip. I knew it was months. Because he had eight and he had five, wasn't it? And I think I remember watching years. that in the actual Shining as well, they said it. No, they never said it in this. They did say it in the Shining. Not, when she not. says when she's going around the house and she says to them, "Oh, he hasn't drunk in five months since then, or something." No, never happened, mate. If you can pull that, if you can find not that in scene, the director's cut, is it? No, but I mean, it's not in the original Shining. Okay, well, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was. I heard it seen in one of director's the, cut of the Shining. Maybe we don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll just carry on with the quiz. Well, the quiz is over. It's over. Oh, it is. Do I get I'm languishing. Adam got two points. Ben got one point. Paul got no points. Now, that means, this is very interesting, Paul stays on 23, Ben's on 15, Adam's on 14. And it's, it, this is probably the closest it's been since the beginning of the year. Very exciting. Come on, Adam, please win this year. You never know. You never know, do you? Look at that. Well done. Right. Shall we move on to the film that is Doctor Sleep? We never wanted to see snow again. So we lived in Florida, tiny place, but it was comfortable and we were happy. I was 20 when she died. And back then, I saw when someone was going to die, I saw flies, black flies, death flies, I called them circling people's faces. And in those last weeks, she was covered, her whole face. I could barely see her eyes. And I I tried to comfort her, but... I could hardly look at her, and she saw that. Maybe something warm to push away such unpleasantries. Don't you want to hear about it? She was your wife. I think you've mistaken me for someone else. I'm just the bartender. Oh, yeah. Just Lloyd the bartender, pouring joy at the Overlook Hotel. I'll pour whatever you like, Mr. Torrance. Man takes a drink. The drink takes a drink. And then the drink takes a man. Ain't it so, Dad? Right, everyone, today we're doing Doctor Sleep. It's a 2019 film by Mike Flanagan and the sequel to The Shining. This is a spoiler episode. We'll go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you've not seen it, you might want to go watch it first and then come back and listen to this episode again. Otherwise, just spoil yourself, silly. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Right, we have some people who are returning to the podcast. Do you know who they are? Uh, you and McGregor? Yes, you and McGregor. But what's been he been t- in? Two films he's been in. We do transport in two? No. We did not. He's like been in did. um surely one of the start no, he hasn't been in one of the stars, has he? Oh he has. Has he? Voice as a voice. Ah, that doesn't count. Well, I know. I was, as well, I was like, he wasn't in that film. What but film was, is it? He was in Rise of Skywalker, his voice. Do you remember at the end, like, you hear all the people's voices? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so that's that's one of them. The other one is a DC-related Oh, film. Birds of Prey. Yes, Birds of Prey as Black Mask. Christ, yeah. We also have Rebecca Ferguson. Mission Impossible. Yeah, Fallout. we got Cliff Curtis, who plays Billy in this film. Oh, what's he been in? Uh, you'll hate it. Will I? What, a DC, a Marvel? One of the worst. One of the worst, cats. in your opinion. Is it no, cats? he wasn't in Cats. 
one of the worst in my opinion. As if one film was to stand out that you hated so much on this podcast and you've always spoken about it, what is it? Meg? Yes, he was in the Meg. <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. <laughs> we also have Robert Longstreet, who played Barry the Chunk. And I wanted to mention this one because... I know. I, while I yes. was watching it last cool. night, I was like, where do I know this guy <laughs> I from? And I was like, he's clean shaven in whatever I know him from. And I was so long it was taking me. <laughs> and then finally I was like, he's fucking Lonnie Elam yes. from Halloween Kills. Yes. Lonnie. But he was also in Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, we just have Selena Anduze, who plays Apron Annie, part of the True Knot. And she was in Venom. Who the hell was Apron Annie? She was part of the, the True Knot. She was one of them True Knot ones that had no influence. Yeah, she was part of the True Knot. She deserved a mention. Very good. She's mm. been in Venom. There you go. That's everyone. Venom. Years later, the novelty hasn't worn off. <laughs> Adam, can you tell us the plot of this film? So this film comes a number of years later, after The Shining. And you see um, a middle-aged Danny Torrance now um, has an alcoholic and he's fighting demons. And he has finally understood the power that he beholds. And he's using his power to look after a little girl who's getting hunted by witches with the power. Oh, he's certainly not getting hunted by witches. Well, <laughs> They're cackling. He's getting hunted by bad people who also have the shine. Well... Look at that. Like to drink that shine. Yeah. Or suck it up. The shinning. Like vape. They like to call it <sighs> steam. Glad you got the shinning in you. The shinning, yeah. Don't <laughs> what, you need shut the Shut up, shining? you want to be sued? <laughs> uh, here's a little backstory. So this was obviously based uh, off of the box office success of It, which took place in 2017. So Warner Brothers decided they should adapt more Stephen King uh, material. So they chose to adapt Stephen King's follow-up novel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep. Um, and I think pretty much everyone knows that Stephen King was famously dissatisfied with Kubrick's version of The Shining. He, the, the, the biggest beef that he had with it was that he said that Kubrick thought that the villain, that the evil was the man. Whereas in King's book, he was very adamant that the evil should be the hotel. So for that reason, he strongly disliked it, plus a lot of other changes that Kubrick made. I feel made. like it's both. Well, we'll talk about that. And... Uh, King said of Mike Flanagan's adaptation uh, that Mike Flanagan is an excellent storyteller. This movie is a good thing. You'll like it if you like The Shining, but you'll also like it if you like Shawshank. It's immersive. And essentially, this film blends elements of King's novel, Doctor Sleep, elements of King's ending to The Shining, the original novel, and elements from Kubrick's film. So what Mike Flanagan actually had to contend with here was adapting three different source materials into one coherent whole um and as well as doing that there are two versions of the film which we will likely talk about today the theatrical cut which runs at two and a half hours and the 30 minute longer director's cut which runs at three hours and i think if i'm not mistaken uh both paul and i have watched the three hour director's cut and adam has watched the two and a half hour theatrical but i think we've all seen both versions uh apart from adam with the directors but um, yeah we'll talk about some of the differences and whatever else mm. very nice very good 
Yes. Ben, carrying the talk, and this is your pick. Would you like to say what order you want us to do our oh, first Oh, this is my pick, in? yes. Well, I feel like uh, we should just go classic film buses on this one. Okay. I'll do that. Oh, good. So, Doctor Sleep. I think it's hands down one of the best sequels ever made, starters. It, it not only like pays absolute homage to what came before it, but stands up as like its own incredibly engaging story. And one I get utterly wrapped in more than its predecessor. Not only that, it also makes me appreciate its predecessor, The Shining, more too. This, this like, maybe due to my disposition of wanting answers or something, I don't know. But I think Doctor Sleep helps me to understand the Overlook more and what it is as an entity. And that kind of makes sense with how he wanted the hotel to be evil, like you said. But um, but what really works for me, more more about this film, is is getting into the, like, the psychology of how that time in the hotel affected Danny and Wendy, which is like made even more heartbreaking in the director's cut, I feel. It... Um, it also does a lot of delving deeper into what, what it is to shine, as Danny does, and uh, not forgetting how menacing the true not are as villains. Speaking of which, I think, I think it contains one of the most troubling and gut-wrenching scenes in cinema for a while, and the, the thought of these people hunting down children is like menacing as hell, and I love that. Um, I watched the theatrical version in the cinema, and I loved it, but loved it even more still when I got my hands on the director's cut, and I don't think... I've ever written more notes for a film than this one. Mm. Wow. <laughs> the passion for like The Shining and Stephen King just pours out the screen from Mike Flanagan. Like cinematography, score, color grading, editing, acting, story, absolute perfection. I love this film. Well, I wonder what score you give it. <laughs> okay. Um, Young Adam. So I only watched this film in the cinema. Um, I haven't watched it since. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember bits of it, um, but I don't remember loads of it. Um, I still don't know really where I stand with this film. It's 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 really good, but I feel like it's just good. There's nothing holding it back. I always just feel it's good. Um, I don't know if it's maybe I'm not as in the whole mystical side of it. I feel... I think I mentioned it quite quickly. It does feel like witches and wizards fighting each other kind of in a weird way with all the powers and stuff like spells almost being cast on each other. Um, I just don't think that's kind of where I want this film to go. And it just feels a bit weird with the tone coming off the back of The Shining. I know it's obviously the elements are there. I I just don't know if I misunderstand where this film's come from, but I still really enjoy it and I think it's good. But I just don't kind of see it in the way that Paul sees it. Fair dues. Fair dues. Um, so... I've watched this twice theatrical a couple of years ago and when I watched it I was very underwhelmed um, I thought it was good but like what Adam was saying it was like The Shining whether it was Kubrick's vision or the performances it was very different it was horrific for a different reason it was very unsettling I think it's one of the best films ever made um, so it's very hard to make a sequel to that that I'm gonna really be able to connect with and and love and i think watching all that stuff with the true knot and breathing in the, the steam um and like yeah like the idea of powers on both sides being used to battle each other it was very not the shining and i think 
that's not that you know that's not an issue necessarily with the film but it is not what the shining was and there's a reason that king didn't like what kubrick did because kubrick essentially made king's story better i've read the shining and kubrick did a better version of it so what king has done is made a very faithful sequel to his own novel but not a faithful sequel to the film so uh, that first time i was like yes the main bits i loved was the stuff when it went to the overlook at the end but i was like this two hours beforehand is a little bit disappointing and i really didn't care for the true knot now two years later watching the director's cut i realized i couldn't remember a hell of a lot of that first watch and watching the director's cut i was enjoying it a hell of a lot more and i don't know i couldn't really tell you what had been added and i could sense some of it was additional but i couldn't remember much of the first time round anyway so it kind of felt like watching it all from scratch again and i took more kindly to it because i think this time i was prepared for the sort of mystical if you want to call it that element to the true knot and and how these people were connected and i i i took a lot more from it i, I think it was very well paced it felt better paced and i understood the progression of the story a lot more and i think the best way for me to reconcile liking both of these films because i do i I like dr sleep i liked it before but i like it a lot more this time and the way that i reconcile it is it is the anti shining but not in a bad way What, what i think works for the shining is so much weird shit happens at the overlook and there is no explanation for it so many scenes and it's like why is that happening and it's very unsettling for that reason it gives you no answers Whereas this gives you an answer and an explanation for absolutely everything. But I think it works. I think it works in this story. It doesn't detract from The Shining. It just works as a perfect accompaniment in that way. I prefer not to have all the answers because I think that makes it much more unsettling. I don't like that American closure thing. And I think that's crucially what this is. This is an American version of the Stephen King story, whereas Kubrick's was a European version of uh, that American story. That's very interesting. Yeah, I t- that's exactly what it is. Mm. I see that is the reason I love it so much because of it's what I was saying in my review. The just the fact that it kind of answers all those questions that I've been asking all this time. That is the reason why I love it so much. Yeah, we like things very differently, me and you, but we like things just the same as well. Yes, we like things differently, <laughs> and we like things the same. Funnily enough, I, my parents' wedding speech. I'm making a speech in my. Sorry, this is a detour. I'm making a speech at my parents' wedding next Friday, and the whole theme of the speech is different and the same. And I keep talking about how different we are, but how the same we mm. are at the same time. Mm. That's pretty cute. That's like an that. aside. So you would say the director's cut is the definitive version you should watch. Well, right? so I find it very hard to say. So without going straight into what's the differences between them. I definitely, I enjoyed watching it a lot more this time, but I don't know how much of that was because I was already prepped for the true yeah. knot and what they were about or how much was it, it was better constructed. I know there was additional scenes and, and, and extended footage, yeah. but a lot. I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I took a lot more mm. from it. I, in I think way. it has a lot more, emotion and resonance with the director's cut i think that's what makes it so much better for me i i, I think we should go into that a little bit later because i've got mm, i've literally yeah. broke down everything that's been added in my yeah, notes okay. so it'd be good to just get adam's reaction to see what he thinks of that if that was an addition to the film kind yes of thing. i'd be keen to hear as well what these uh, additional things are because i couldn't quite work out mm, what had mm. been added there's one or two scenes but yeah anyway 
a couple of, a couple of things that I just off the top of my head that I love from the off. Just little. I think there's there's a lot of attention to detail in this film, which I I really enjoy. Just like the little things, like when you first meet um, Rose the Hat, and she has this very strong Irish accent, mm. and then it, and then you go. It cuts to how many years later? Uh, it's many years later, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember 20, how many. Like 20 something years. It goes to 2011, doesn't it? So it must be 31. 31 years. Look at that. Uh. And um, her accent has been washed with an American accent. Yes. And it's so, it's like, so when I first watched it, I was like, why has her accent changed? And I thought, no, that's fucking attention to detail. She's been living in America this whole time. Her accent's mm. changed. Mm. Like, that's fucking wonderful. Like, m- most films wouldn't even do that. Mm. I think yes. that's great. And I like that the, the subtleties, like, I mean, it's probably obviously obviously planned and it's part of the story but it's um it's almost like this transcending through time of his name being doc yeah and how he becomes the doctor and people call him doc he's not yes. even a doctor but he, he calls doctor sleep isn't he yeah I think that's fucking wonderful it's like things things that just tantalize me yes that's uh, yeah all of that's very nice there's clearly we know anyway that mike flanagan appreciates stephen king because of all these other adaptations that he's done which mm-hmm. some of them have been quite good. So I guess he would really lean into it. He was the best director. I can't I can't think of someone who could have come along and, and done a better mm. version of this film. So mm. I, I, I was very happy with his direction completely. Um Yeah. It all looked it all looked very good. Um and uh yeah, as you say, there was a great attention to detail. The recreation of the overlook was just stunning. Stunning. Were, yeah. See, isn't that where most of the additional stuff is? No. There's no. Most of the additional stuff came in the over, Overlook. No, it's all throughout everything. It's, the, it's like goes from the relationship between um, Danny and Wendy. I think that's one of the biggest impacts of the film, their relationship. Um, stuff, stuff with him and uh, Dick. Uh, there is some that a lot of uh, Jack, and, Jack and Danny talking here at the end, like you said. Um, but we'll talk about this later. Let's talk about mm, this later because okay. I'll mm. go through it all. Um, what do you think of the recreations of of like the the shining scenes? They were good. I thought they were just cut from the film. No, that was no really shot. <laughs> that was all new shit, mate. Obviously, it's new actors. True. It, yeah, it's <laughs> taken from. from it's just not. <laughs> there was a bit of like, oh, it was new, but then it also just looked quite good. All of it, all of it's new. Like they, he did, uh, yeah. The, the Overlook was a great recreation, but I think every single one of them, from from the kid who played Danny through through Wendy through to um, our man Elliot playing Jack Nicholson, every single one of them was superb because they did something brilliant. They didn't try and just replicate the actors. They mm-hmm played the characters they yeah. leaned into the characters and they did it well it's like we all know we're not going to be seeing those original actors so these actors came in and did a very very honest mm-hmm. um and and believe like there wasn't a moment that I was like yeah well that's not that person i was like that is that question that Ballsy is that as hell just to go just to yeah, literally to reshoot it yes that's great i loved it and i liked i, I liked the um conversation between young danny and uh Dick Halloran on the bench early, early on. I liked that. I remember mm-hmm. liking that See, from before. Uh, but this is also a lot of that. I'm sure about 10 minutes is cut from that scene. 10 minutes? It's long segment. Like you don't get in the theatrical, you don't get any of what his experience was with his grandfather and stuff. Uh, do you not? Nope, you mm. get none of that. 
and mm. you don't get anything about um, Wendy being through a lot. There was the whole thing of that, that was looking back on it now. It did feel strange that there wasn't really much to do with her. Yeah, well, well, since this comes early in the film, let's talk about it, Adam. How much? What happens with Wendy in the theatrical cut and Danny? What do you see of Wendy and Danny? Not a lot, really. Like you see her at the beginning, and then she kind of goes away. Yeah, but what happens between them? They just talk about moving to Florida and getting away and how they never went to see snow again and all that kind of stuff. That's it. She's literally in it for like, I want to do say like five minutes from memory. Yeah. Well, that's about what she's in. She's interspersed throughout. Do you have a scene in the theatrical where she's sitting with Danny when he's a kid and she looks at him and then Danny's like, what? And she's like, oh, nothing. Don't worry. And then he goes into the toilet and stares at the mirror. No. Oh, shit. It's not in there. This is all the little fucking amazing shit that has been kicked out. It adds so much. Yeah, that does. But we'll talk about that in a minute because, like, me and Jenny rewound that scene afterwards after the film end, and I was like, "That isn't how The Shining works. You don't. You can't do that. That has this never is, been established." This is but, the problem with me. It's like The Shining in this was just kind of whatever somebody wanted it to be. There was never the talking bit like that's what you think of the shining be able to see what's not there what happened before the horror that the yeah. hotel possesses whereas this it was just kind of people using it to like tele- teleport or like just to put people like to sleep like hypnotizing people it was just felt it, it just felt all it's like it almost would be better if it didn't become a shining sequel in my opinion this a little bit i think i had to give it more of a leeway with it well the shining is just a gift isn't it Yes, it's a gift, but I don't know if it just feels... The element of it in the film is good. It adds to the horror. It adds what to is the, it then? In my opinion, it's be able to see the dark side of everything. It's the living with the terror of everything. You can go into a room and you see what's happened in the room before. Yeah, I mean, that's what the certainly what The Shining, the film, Have you read both books, Ben? No, I haven't read Doctor Sleep. Mm. But you've read Shining? Yeah. Okay. See, I, I'm wondering if... If it's in Doctor Sleep, all this stuff, then it's part of canon. Yeah, it is. But so, so here's something that's very, very interesting. I think this film actually works really, really well as a interpretation of the Dark Tower books because there's a a lot of the mythology that developed in the Dark Tower books by King. That I think mm-hmm. there's seven or eight of those books. Um, leans into this idea of riding as a passenger in other people, uh, speaking through other people, being able to influence and, and move into other people's areas based on where they are. But this is also where the Dark Tower books kind of became unwieldy because the first half of the Dark Tower series didn't have so much fantasy. And then Stephen King got run over by a fucking truck and his writing changed and became much more fantastical and mm. um, like special powers and all that stuff. And the whole Dark Tower series went in that direction, which was fine, but it's like, mm. this is completely different to where it began. And that's kind of what's happened with King's writing overall. It's like he was a different author when he wrote The Shining. Yeah. So what he's written in Doctor Sleep is almost like, He's almost like the worst man for the job to write a sequel to his own work because he's such a, a different writer now. The experience, if you enjoyed The Shining, you ain't necessarily going to enjoy Doctor Sleep. 
I, mm. I'm, I'm enjoying both of them, but I think what he's done, I take Adam's point. I do take your point. It would almost work better if it wasn't. But at the same time, a lot of what does work about it is because yeah, it's dealing uh, yeah. with Danny and, and his past trauma and shit that's like that. What, that's what entitles you in, and that's where that's why you have a relationship with the characters and that's why you want the characters to do well and survive and like that's your yeah. compass there because you know these people and you're like oh he's been through a lot i want to do well again like that kind of stuff but it just doesn't it, it is like stephen king is trying to undo what kubrick did i don't know if you would well, be better off watching stephen king's version of the shining well if you watch stephen king's version of the shining which is he's he did a mini series which is sort of got his thumbs up it's shit it's it's, yeah, I've heard it's not very good i haven't bothered watching it but i don't know if that continues it's, in this ideology that continues in dr sleep better well i in, think in a way a, it's a wonderful i think this works so well as a sequel though. i don't think it it changes anything it is it is a worthy sequel i think that the 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 thing that would have really annoyed me about this is if it had every time it referenced The Shining or or something like that, it did it in a way that made me go, oh fuck off, get get lost, you, you're not worthy to do this. I think it was it was worthy. It never sets itself up to be knocked down by its predecessor. It never makes me think poorly of the original or make me cynical about this film. I think it was done with a lot of of love and mm. and care for sure. Like and talking about talking about the powers. Um, I feel like it carries on where it left off. Like Danny doesn't have any additional powers to what he had. It just shows you there's other people in the world and everyone has a kind of different abilities and you, they can they can flourish or they can just be exactly what they were when they started. Yeah. So th- this is the whole Dark Tower thing. In in the Dark Tower, there are vi- there is no, here's this villain and this is how you go up against them. In the Dark Tower is there's these villains and these villains, you know, like at the end of the movie when he's talking to Abra yeah. and she's like, do you think she's gone? And he's like, even if she is, there'll be others, others that are completely different to her. But as long as there's people like you willing to stand up, that's the Dark Tower idea is that right. heroes and villains constantly are changing in this world and it mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't matter. So the way that you use your powers changes based on whatever, whatever. And that's and that's fine. That's that's why it's a faithful adaptation of what I imagine Doctor Sleep is. And, and, and that's good. I think. It so much depends on how invested you are in how The Shining did it. And I'm very, very invested in it. And I do appreciate it, The Shining the most because the only explanation we are ever given of what The Shining is is in that very brief scene in The Shining between Danny and, and Scatman Carruthers in the mm. kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's just enough for you to go, I think I get it, but yeah. no more. So then yeah. everything you see is like, well, what? how exactly is that working? Like, What does it mean when... Danny is just sat in bed, shivering, dribbling, while his dad's being stalked by that old woman in the yeah, hotel room. Yeah. There's no explanation of that. And I like the no explanation. That works much better for me because what they don't tell you, your mind fills in. And I like that's what I like. And this didn't do that, and that's fine because it wasn't that kind of film. Mm. And the explanation that they gave was good, but it wasn't as good as not giving an explanation. Yeah. I also think this here is a element of... Pauls gives his film, I'm going to say, let's say high 9 or 10, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to reveal my score now, but less, but I still enjoy this film, and I feel like we're just arguing, because you like it more, I seem to dislike it, because it's oh, no, not still slightly like, yeah, but, no yeah, I just do feel like, <laughs> I don't know, it just feels different, it's just like, I don't like the whole mystical side of it. it, it just does feel like witches and wizards fighting it a little bit, for me, that's kind of where it loses d- its points. I do. That's 
for me, ultimately, the crux as well is that by having this like enclave of people that are traveling around, even though you have a horrific scene where they murder that little boy, it's not. Yeah, but I also don't like that kid actor a lot, so I didn't really care. Yeah, I know. I've heard people. I, I think it's both of you say you don't like that kid actor. I got no problem I, with it. I've made a point of saying he was fucking amazing in that scene. Yeah, he was great. He was good. He's just that kid that turned up in everything for a while of cinema. Yeah. He's a little annoying, but he did very well in this film. He did. I actually felt in like him fucking crying and saying, Mm. "I can't remember what he said now about like don't." He said, "Is he?" He said, "Is it? Are you going to hurt me?" Yeah. Oh, Jenny, when we were watching it last night, before it got to that scene, she said, "I don't think I can watch this again." I said, "Yeah, "Yeah, you must. You have to watch it. (laughs) Don't turn away." (laughs) But that was a bit more graphic in the. And they're like pumping his pumping his chest for the last bit. It's like, oh man. Yeah, man. Brutal scene. I mean. See that all what that's all cool that is all good and what what they're doing like it is just so different it's like can if you're a fan of the shining can you also now connect to this traveling caravan of ancient demons who are capturing children's spirits in canisters and releasing it every now and then and breathing it in it's like oh how are you going to connect that to the shining well we're going to connect it this way okay cool but i'm not sure that that's but it's also it's also alluding to the fact that the the entity is also doing exactly the same thing as the Overlook Hotel. It's, yeah. it's literally sucking mm. the life force out of whoever. Well, they're saying that Jack had a little bit of shining in this film, weren't they? And that's well, why they corrupted him. So I th- I didn't get that. I've, I when Scatman was talking to Danny at the bench at the beginning, I thought he was sort of saying you're because your father your father had a, a prominent dark darkness to him. Yeah. They Everyone latched onto that. Dark. Mm. Yeah, and because there was so much dark in him, the hotel really latched onto that. Yeah, we all we all have both a light and a dark, and that goes either way, whatever way you take it, kind of thing. Yeah. To me, to me personally, it feels like I I it makes me love The Shining more because it almost feels like there's the breadcrumbs, and mm. this is what it's leading up to this film, and it's it feels like a payoff to me rather than like undoing the mystery. It almost doesn't feel like a horror film either, though. Oh man, it's fucking horrific. <laughs> There's horrific things happen, but there's difference between being in a horror and just seeing some kid getting stabbed up. They, but they do add a lot more the horror elements. Like you see in the director's cut, you see more of um, the old lady in the bathroom. Yeah, but we've well. seen her before. We know what she's like. That was weird 40 years ago. Mm. <laughs> I think, you know, here's the kicker. Considering, so this is apparently what the case is. Apparently, well, obviously, in Stephen King's The Shining, the book, at yep. the end of the film... Jack Torrance smashes his his skull in with his own axe in order to save his son, and he's already set the Overlook to blow up, so he blows up the Overlook. So that's how The Shining ends. So That's how The Shining ends? That's how The Shining ends in Stephen oh, King's book. Okay. So Mike Flanagan, I don't know how Dr. Sleep picked up, but Mike Flanagan said to Stephen King, look, I'm going to do this film, I'm going to be as faithful to your book as possible, but... You know, The Shining, Kubrick's The Shining is so ingrained in people, yeah. I have to honour that. So King was like, no, 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 you're not, don't bring the Overlook back into it. And Flanagan said, I'm going to, and this is how I'm going to do it. So Flanagan wrote, partially wrote that entire ending at the Overlook, but it also merges with what Stephen King wrote in the ending of The Shining. Yeah, yeah. So it's Flanagan and hybrid. Kubrick at the end. And I think it works really well, really fascinatingly. Yeah. But I think at the same time, if you were to eliminate that outlook, the Overlook, sorry, from the end of this film and never return there, I don't think 
I would take as kindly to this film as a whole. Because if you're saying this is a Shining film sequel and you don't go back to the Overlook in that way, mm. then I'm not sure how how strong this this is for me. Well, I think it's so like inter- intertwined with The Shining, this film, that it kind of needs to. It's like, this is a note. I know, sorry, I keep bringing the director's car, but this is... No, keep bringing it up film, like this. Throughout the yeah. film, you you get interspersed of shots of inside the Overlook Hotel. And it's almost like we're leading there. It's inevitable. We're going there. There's a panning shot that goes through the dance hall and it lands on the bar and there's a, the there's a full glass of, of whiskey there waiting for Danny. Mm. It's like, that's fucking beautiful. But then see, when Danny gets there, the glass yes. is empty. Because at that time, when it's happening, this is where the whole thing happens with this is fucking I don't know why they took this out the whole thing with the woman and her baby that's when that happens it's like this is at his darkest place and this is the witty girls waiting for him mm, yeah can you believe they took that whole baby and mother scene out how that's fucking bit... that shows you how dark how far he's gone Danny mm, yeah and they took that out yeah. you wait to hear what actually happens in the, that scene Adam because it's messed up okay this is the thing I don't know if I'll be able to watch it I'm not spending 25 quid on it You'll see it one day, but I see, I'll, I'll be interested to see like if it interests you like the stuff that's yeah. missing. What also, yeah. like the thing that always confuses me as well, when in The Shining, that last shot of Jack in the in the picture, yeah, right, and that never made sense with with what the story was telling me in The Shining because I couldn't understand why I could understand everything else until that ending where it shows him in the picture. Right, but now watching this, it absolutely makes sense because this this house is just absorbing everything that comes in con- in contact with, and it's like bringing and it's like sucking you into and making you part of this hotel. Mm. And but I fucking love that. I always thought that surely, but like when you see him in that photo from the thirties, it's like well, you you are now part of this hotel's history, timeless, and it doesn't matter when you existed or when you didn't, you are now part mm. of its essence. That's that's what's happened to him. I get that without needing any further Doctor Sleep explanation of it, you know? But yeah, I know. But this, but to me, I was seeing The Shining as obviously you get all these, these ghosts interspersed, but I'm seeing it more from this is a man being driven crazy, not this is a hotel absorbing or like corrupting people. Well, but there's a little bit of both. That's the thing. It's like, that's what I like about The Shining is that even though Kubrick... King says Kubrick just thought the evil was the man. He clearly didn't because he he it happens when he goes there. There is an evil. It's like what Dick Halloran says in this film. Only Kubrick mm. didn't need it to be said. It's a man who has a dark half. We know it already when he's driving in with Wendy and Danny in that car. He almost resents his yeah. wife and kid talking to him. He's bothered by them. He's responding, but it's very passive aggressive. And the minute they get there, it all goes down fucking hill. And it's almost like... Matches onto that. Yes. And the fact that we're seeing all this this weird shit and what happens in room 237, there's no explanation for it. There's no real explanation for Grady appearing to him and talking to him in the bedroom. Who was it? Was that really a ghost? Was that really someone who existed there? Or is this just his drunken stupor? We don't actually know that Jack is an alcoholic. We get an idea and a sense that he is in The Shining, but... We don't they do say you beat up it. Danny, though, didn't they? But even that, the only, we do, but we get it by him confessing to a ghost in the bar, saying she'll never let me forget this time that he threw papers on the floor. I just grabbed him up, and it's all said in such a a brilliant way by 
Nicholson that you don't need it over explained you don't need it to be reinforced but that said I appreciated everything that Ewan McGregor's Danny was doing in this film in reference to his father talking about how it was with his father etc etc I didn't resent them expanding on it and going into it deeper that he went to AA in fact that did add to the Jack character by saying he like it's even more tragic to discover that he went Jack Torrance went to AA had a five month chip yes is that director's cut is it well, how did Adam know the answer to the question, if that's director's cut? He mentioned it in the film. He's mentioned it in either The Shining or we mentioned it in Doctor Sleep. It's definitely not That his dad got to five months and this was for him when he got to eight years or something like that. Oh, well, that's theatrical then. Must be. It says, it says, it says that he, he came to know the man. He knew, that he knew the man back then for what he was, for what he did to him. And now he knows the man a little bit more because he's, he's also got to the point of his life where he's at the same point as him when he was got the AA chip. But yeah, there is there is so much of this film I do like, and it it is a I don't know worthy. It yeah, put it in the same sequence as it, but it just doesn't hold the same. Doesn't make me feel the same way as The Shining feels. No, The, the Shining, Shining makes me feel eerie. It's one of, it's yes, one of the very, very few so. horror films where I watch it every single time I watch it. I feel like uneasy being around the house in the dark. Like you hear the noises and you're like, oh, it just it's, puts you really easy. It makes you feel just like. It is one of those films that because is, there's nothing, makes you uneasy. Because it doesn't feel like there's a a horror in the film. It's not a supernatural. It's a man literally going insane, which is the horror. And that's, I think that's what feels scary, is like, how close are we to that? Like when lockdown happens and everything like that. Like. I remember watching it in lockdown. It's a very psychological horror. Yeah, in that's why. Yeah. Yeah. this is so a more brilliant. physical, like you're literally watching the horror play in front of your eyes. Also, yes, I do think yeah. maybe because the horror is explained, like you said, they explain it, they explain everything behind it. You don't feel as uneasy about it. Well, that's the thing. For me, when you explain, it's like anything. It's like with Halloween. Michael Myers, if you don't give it any explanation, it's scary. The minute you start trying to explain it, it's no longer scary. If you give it a backstory, it's no longer scary. The less I know, the scarier it is. It's why Blair Witch is one of the greatest horror films. Don't explain shit about what's going on in those words. That's terrifying. Like, like Cloverfield worked. I, well, I agree. Cloverfield didn't work for I me. I agree but yes. with you. But it's depending on what horror film it is. If you're talking about uh, uh, a film that's got like a, f- a physical Unknown. threat in it, if as soon as you show the threat, that's when I don't like it. But this one, it's never like it's playing its card as soon as you, you're watching it. This is the horror and you're seeing it in front of your eyes. It's not really like I'm holding back what is the, the actual threat in this film. That's what's scary for me, that they're literally going out taking children and you have to watch it and watch the whole thing. Mm. But I find it, even though, and obviously Jenny uh, reacts very badly to it as well, but I find it more unsettling when Danny walks in The Shining, when Danny walks in with his parents arguing, sucking his thumb with a bruise around his neck very, very slowly, and you have no idea what happened to him. That is much more terrifying to me than seeing that boy just getting stabbed and breathing in his essence. It's like, yeah, cool, that was a good scene, but mm. that is nowhere near as scary. Was that him? Was that Jack? Was that... Exactly. What, did Jack do it? Was it the woman? How? If it was the woman, why? We, yeah. at, at that point, before Doctor Sleep, we have no idea. Mm. It could be Jack. It could be the hotel. There could actually be a woman there. Absolutely. I, I think they're both scary in their own right. Yes. I'm not saying that like one's scary mm. than the other. They're just yeah. different kind of scary. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why one of them works really well and one of them, in my opinion, works well <laughs> but not as well. Yes. Now here, the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> that's why one of them works, one of them doesn't. Well, <laughs> for me personally. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. 
Can I talk about one thing? Since we're talking about powers and the shining and what the shining is, mm-hmm. uh, Paul, why don't you go ahead and, and expl- explain the one scene to Adam about when Danny goes into the into the toilet, and then we'll talk about that and looks in the mirror. So, with the director's cut, there is a lot more elements of the relationship between Danny and Wendy. I do and think that was one of the things that did feel strange in this film. Mm. Like she's in it and then she goes and it's like, yeah, what actually happened to her? She's been through as much shit, if not more than Danny has. Like yeah. why are we disregarding her? I mean, obviously because of the powers, but mm. so, there's a, so there's a lot more you get. It starts, it starts basically with a, it actually starts with her and Dick. I mean, Danny and Dick. So they're sitting on a bench and Dick's talking about, um, don't worry, Wendy, about this. She's been through enough. She shouldn't have to worry another day in her life. And it's like he says, that woman's paid her debt, right? And it's it's just showing. This is this yeah. is another thing that um, that uh, Flanagan's done. And what what King said was missing from The Shining is that he wanted Wendy to have dignity because he doesn't feel like you know how Kubrick treated fucking the actress in that. Yeah, she terrible. was She was fucking... That was horrendous. But um, it all starts with that. And Wendy cannot look Danny in the eyes. There's a massive scene where you can see that Wendy's thinking about something. She's not really paying attention to the TV. And Danny says, what's wrong? And he said, are you thinking about Dad? And she glances at him and then she immediately doesn't want to look him in the eyes. And it's because he has his father's eyes. Yeah. Right. And at this point, Danny walks into the bathroom, looks in the mirror, closes his eyes, and he changes the color of his eyes. Okay. To be blue, so they're not the same color as that as his dad's eyes anymore. And this now, is what. So that is what I take issue with because because you don't think that's a that's a power he can do. Yeah, that is something else entirely. Then that is not the shining. That is not Danny's gift for the shining. Mm-hmm. Like to walk in and change his eye color. Th- now you're talking about magic. Now it's something said, else I think it's entirely. Willpower. I think I felt like they could do anything if they had enough will to do it. Uh, yeah, but you know what? That borders on mate. That borders on superhero shit for me. Which yeah, is, this is like, where I feel where like it goes like, a little uh, bit. He had a gift. Fine. He had a he had a unique gift as a child at that point. And yes, you and McGregor's shining evolves because he's an adult he learns how to harness it that bit more after trying to suppress it with alcohol but when Danny is still that little boy to go into the toilet and change his eye colour see I think it's fucking beautiful there's a whole the whole director's cut is is like littered with this this idea of eyes right this talks about eyes all the time and it comes it comes to the end of the film and there's a massive extended cut of of him talking to to Jack and he talks about the whole story. That's where you actually see the scene of um, him changing his eye colour. And then he goes to talk about how when his mother was dying, he couldn't look her in the eyes anymore because he has this thing that happens. So when when he dies, they don't mention that in the... No, no, they don't mention it. They don't mention this. When when she's dying, um, he could not look her in the eyes because he has this thing that when he's around someone, something that's about to die, he sees flies, these black flies everywhere. So they were covering, he said her face was covered with these black flies. I just couldn't look her in the eyes. 
and um this whole thing about at that moment when he wanted to look her in the eyes or at the moment when she could look him in the eyes he just couldn't do it either and it comes to the end of the film and it's all about i think it's all about paying that debt in your life and being being at your at the moment when you're you're finally happy with your position and he's burning the hotel down he's sitting there and his his mother appears in front of him and they're just staring each other in the eyes and the hotel's just burning down around him that's fucking beautiful yeah that's nice well, is there a reason why they didn't add all this into it anyway? Run Just because of the runtime. Runtime, yeah. I mean, you're doing a f- film that's two and a half hours. What's the harm in adding with they it 25 have, minutes, half they hour? They should have just released it uh, as the theatrical. It, it should have been a three, full three-hour cut, 100%. Like, if you're doing mm. a two and a half hour film, you're going to go getting free at that point isn't mm. much more. They, I mean, they absolutely should have just had all of this because I didn't realise that there was so little Wendy yeah. and Danny stuff in the theatrical because that is some of the strongest stuff in the film. Yeah, let me let me say this. I might as well tell Adam this bit as well. Another massive chunk that's been taken out of the film is is when um it's when Danny's at his lowest and you, I don't I can't remember how much you see of him at his lowest. You see him like in bars and stuff, Adam. You see him in a fight. You yeah, see the whole bit with, yeah, the okay. prost- the, not, with the lady and he steals the money. Okay, okay, so you see that. And does the baby come in? Yeah, the baby comes in and he puts okay. the baby next to her in the bed and she's like vomited on herself okay. or something. Okay, good, good, okay. And then Jack, so, and then what's his name? He turns up and he's like, really, you're going to take that money? Yes, yes. And then they, does he try to uh, put the memory away in his head, into in his boxes? Yeah, he's got all of his boxes. They come out. I don't think they yeah. put them. You see him put memories in. I don't think he puts that one in there. But you yeah, kind of he, assume that he locks he away tries, the bad. He tries to lock that memory away of of what he's done. This horrible thing, stealing money. And then um, Dick says, "No, you can't. You can't do that. That's not how this thing works. You can't lock away all the bad thoughts in your head and just wish like wish them they away. They stay like that. with you for life. Yeah, they stay with you. Um, but then it goes to the bit when he's in the town and Billy set him up in his hotel room right and you saw this scene he 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 gets fly land on him and there's an, an arm across him yeah have you seen this adam remember no, this in the theatrical? Well, anyway he he basically wakes up and there's a there's an arm across him and he turns around and there's this woman in front of him it's the woman from the room the hotel room yeah. or not the, the the apartment and there's all flies around her face just like he says at the end of the film when where there's a dead body there's all flies yeah. everywhere they're crawling all over her eyes and everything and then he speaks to her and he says, I've got what it says because I think it's horrible what she said. Um, she says, they haven't found us yet. They hear the baby crying all the time, but they just always hear the baby crying. So they haven't even looked to see what's happening. And it pans down and there's a dead baby in the bed. Grim. Fucking horrible. But yeah. it, this is just, this is like pertinent to how low Danny's gone. Like how far down he's gone from, from, and then how high he comes up afterwards, like like working as an orderly in the ho- in the hospital. I think you need that. You totally need that in the film. Yeah, it de- it definitely needs shit like that in there. Mm. I just don't I just don't get why they took it out. I mean, like obviously runtimes and cinema slots and getting more money, but I think you, that's that is simply enough. it. That is yeah. simply so it. So you can get it? more screenings a day, can't you? If you're a mm. studio, exactly. It's about well, if we can squeeze in one or two more showings a day, that's so so much more. Uh, box office sales than if we allow it to run half hour longer yeah people might like it more but when you're charging people on the door they don't give a fuck I can't imagine what what Flanagan was thinking like 
what was going through his head, but right. he must have been like, fuck, man. Like, all the emotions gone from there. Yeah. The fucking, the, the tragic, uh, the tragedy of, like, Danny being an alcohol, being an alcohol, <laughs> being an alcoholic. Um, man, I, wa- I wonder if he just was happy with it just to go out as that theatrical cut. It's weird. I mean, probably not. Mm-hmm. Mm. Probably not, but it's it's, you know... It's been a thing that's been around for decades, all this director's cut shit, things like Blade Runner and, and all, all that sort of thing. And you think, it's this is just the industry, mate. This is mm. just how it is. Filmmakers, directors know this. Even if you're big, you know this, that the studios are going to release the cut that they deem, unless you get Final Cut, like David Lynch. That's why he hated June so much. He was like, I made my film, and the, the studios butchered it, and he mm. never made a film after that where he didn't have it's what's his name who's the there's a show where what's his name the big fat guy who's in he did chef and he did the marvel films and stuff Favreau. Um, Favreau, yeah and he does he goes to his house and he cooks pizzas with like directors and stuff and rodriguez is there and he says to him he's like i never make a film about final cut it's like getting the ingredients for a cake and then giving it to somebody about the recipe it's like Mm. yeah yeah it's just what they're going to do with it. You don't know. But, you know, but then there is an argument sometimes, depending on how good the director is, that it's sometimes I mean, They should have an editor that works fit. along with them. Yeah, sometimes. You should need to have someone else, a second voice in their yeah, ear. But then exactly. you go to Tarantino sometimes and you let well, it roll too much. Yeah, but then, you know, look at, look at fucking Cinema Paradiso, man. If you'd have mm, that director's yep. cut, that is not True. the that's I not seen the director's see. cut of it. Well, they just need that so second much opinion. Yeah, sometimes you need it. Even if you are a well-established director, sometimes you need someone from outside to go rein that in. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's elements. I think there's a storyline in that. Was there where the lady in the bed a prostitute or not? Yeah, well, there's a whole prostitute Not his girlfriend line. or something. Yeah, it's just not... It's horrible. It's just... It's unnecessary. So sometimes you do need it, but this is this is a probably one of the best uh, examples of a director's cut. Based on what you're saying, Paul, and, and what I've heard, this is definitely... Mm the preferable version yeah. and it, and, and, did and it you, should have been done this way did you up your score then given the director's cut uh, well I ain't not, I'm not going to say just yet uh, I like to uh, say and apologise to Rebecca Ferguson because when I first watched it I really didn't care for her performance because I was sort of like so what she's not scary this is nothing but on the second watch I was like no this is very good this is very good character <laughs> she's, she's doing a great performance here I'll the, let her know we are related yeah she, well, she listened yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> related. Uh, I my only issue with it is I was sick of her catchphrase by the end, and I thought this is. I spoke about it recently oh, yeah. when I said Stephen King writes real American. He he writes bad dialogue. Stephen King, he does, and this over reliance on well hello there or well hi there. It's like, well, you can say that once or twice. You're saying it all the time. <laughs> this is just shit. In, can you imagine in Shining, if there was a fucking catchphrase, people would have gone, what the fuck's this? It's so, it just felt so typical. And that's kind of where generally my big problems with this film, and they're not big problems, but the reason that this is not a great, perfect film for me is that despite everything that we're talking about, that's so good about it, it all felt quite typical it all felt quite, you kind of know what to expect. One of the biggest things that plays into that is Abra, her home life, her family, her setup. All of it felt very clean, sanitized. It felt like, imagine you're going to watch a TV show about a girl with special powers. It seemed like an advert. Here it is. 
it's exactly massive house perfect family everything pristine no real character to any of them including abra there's no would, character to her you know? I, would, I would say that this is just to show the polar opposites between danny's upbringing and and abra's upbringing you're giving it a lot of, had, you're giving it a lot of she rope. has a father who's who's totally mm. on her side whereas I jack mean, doesn't he doesn't need it either way but it's nice to have mm. I'd, whenever we saw her home life i was like this just feels so inauthentic. It does add a little bit more in the um, in director's cut. That's not in. I don't think you see her playing the piano at the beginning or the theatrical. Yeah, but see, that was. I mean, that added nothing. Mm. You see the spoons. I think there's more of the dad just to see his relationship, just to make that um, show the polar opposites between the two dads. Um, but yeah, that's. I I appreciate it. I'd, I don't think what what what. How does it end with Abra in, in the theatrical, Adam? Do you remember? Um, it shows obviously her talking to Danny. Yeah, she kind of uses him as a ghost. Um, what's the final shot of the film? She's not back at home with her family. She speaks yeah. to her mum. Well, her dad's dead. <laughs> well, uh, she's but, in a kitchen, I believe. I mean, I can get it up on Netflix, but... No, she basically... Uh, well, what happens in the director's cut, anyway, she comes out of her bedroom and her mother's asking who who she was talking to and where she would normally say no. Because uh, the film's all about accepting yourself who you are yeah. and how, at the beginning, when Danny first met us, she said, don't, don't do it, turn away, don't, like, suppress it. It's all about suppression. Mm. Whereas at the end here, she says, I've been speaking to Danny. And she's and she's saying about how her 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 dad's on the other side. He's he's happy. He's fine. And it's nice just like to have that with the mother and just to, to accept yourself who you are, kind of thing. I think it's a nice yeah. ending. And then this is probably how it ends because I'm pretty sure this ends in the theatrical cut. She she goes come down for dinner and she says one minute. It turns around and she sees the old lady in the bathroom and she walks in and she closes the door. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. You didn't like the ending? No, I mean, it's not that bit. I didn't like her going into the to the old lady in the bathroom. Like, I get it. But what they're doing is this is the Flanagan effect. This is the uh, whatever he does, all of these American Horror Stories or whatever he does. It's that typical really focus on the horrific old lady as the scary thing that she's going to go and confront. Whereas The Shining was much more than that. The final shot after we've watched three hours of it to have her walk into that bathroom and be like, this old woman was relevant for Jack in The Shining. This girl has been in the hotel briefly. This character and this exchange doesn't have as much resonance as it did for Jack when he walked into that room. I know it's because she went in the hotel. She's now brought the ghost with her. But I didn't like it. That didn't. That felt like... Well, let me show you this iconography from the Kubrick film. Let me show you this thing from the Kubrick film that uh, made you all scared. I'm going to use this throughout the film, and it's going to be the final shot of the film as well. Didn't like it. That's fair enough. I, I enjoyed it that it's just like this This hunger's never ending. They're going to keep coming until you lock them away. Mm. I appreciate well, there it. There you that. go. It was a little too hopeful for me, you know. I like, uh, yeah, I like I Blake and uh, The Shining. If The Shining was about addiction and destruction, this was about like resurrection and fucking saviour 
being a savior and saving yourself mm-hmm. and all that, which is great, cool. Um, but I prefer, you know, if you stack them both up, I'll have the sadder tale, thanks. Yeah, it's what rocks your boat, mate, isn't it? What rocks, rocks, rocks my boat. Um, but <laughs> uh, shout out to the cat. <laughs> oh, yes. That was one cute cat. The death cat. Yeah, the lovely cat. That was on, that cat was on the cover of the uh, novel, I believe. Way back, there was a white cat on the cover of the book. That was I the think, cover of Doctor Sleep. I think it's fucking cute. Just that whole thing of the cat going and sitting on the people who are about to die. That's Give so fucking sweet. Comfort. It is very and sweet. And then singing, um, what does they sing? Fly, come fly with me. They sing yes. that. Yeah, that's this fucking one. Just them both singing it together. It's a little beautiful little thing. I like it. Little beautiful. Yeah. Um, did you know that Danny was in this film? Danny Torrance. The actor. Oh, really? He had a little cameo when the kid, when the Jacob Tremblay is playing baseball, he's in the crowd watching. Aww. Mm-hmm. That's, that sweet. Nice? That's now, sweet. Now, there was one scene which I totally didn't remember, but whether it's in a director's cut or not, I don't know. I just thought, wow, that's pretty cool. There is, I thought it was a dream at first. It's when um, Danny goes to the AA meeting and he tells the guy about his watch and he says, you left it on the side, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It then cuts to them in his office afterwards and he's like, how did you know? Did you notice anything about that scene? Yes, it looks exactly like The Shining. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly like when fucking Jack Torrance w- walks yeah. into Stuart Littleman's office. I t- it, I it was completely well. set up like that. Absolutely. And I thought, oh, this is a dream because look how significant it is. And then they just didn't explain it. And I was like, very good. There we go. Yeah. Very effective moment because you didn't explain it. You just went, yeah. look how similar this fucking looks. Yeah. We're not going to We're not going to have Danny go, I feel like I've been here before or something like that, you know? <laughs> this reminds me of that it. time that I wasn't there, but my, my dad had an interview. <laughs> yeah, well, well, exactly. But he maybe was there because of The Shining. Oh, yes, he Ooh. was shining. Well, Jack told, what was it? Tony. Was it was his name? Tony, yeah told him that he got the job didn't he so tony was there i would have liked to have seen ewan mcgregor do the tony finger and do the tony voice <laughs> it's a shame we didn't get that oh yes they kind of they kind of tried to explain that bit didn't they when he said he thinks he thought that he had an imaginary friend but it was actually just his the voices in his head yeah which everyone gets i there's I... so, there's so much uh Dark Tower stuff in this as well, just like nice little nods and references that are not big enough to really worth start mentioning. But like, mm. if you read the books, you'll be like, oh, fan of that. It's a shame that things haven't actually progressed with a Dark Tower television series because it felt like there was a lot of stuff, groundwork laid in this that would have worked very, very well, particularly just with Danny. Just watch the Idris Elba one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this, this is a better... Um, adaptation of the dark tower books than the fucking dark tower film was just because of how it handled a lot of the a lot of the elements um if it was going to be made mike flanagan's the man to do it mike flanagan should sign a deal with netflix to do it but the problem is sony got the rights to dark tower and then they completely fucked it they started making shit with amazon and then amazon pulled the plug and now it's like that's going to be shelved for however fucking long there's so much wild stuff that goes on in those books i just don't see how it could ever happen one to tackle it is a hard one to tackle. But like the, the moment when Abra walks to the window and then she sort of pushes her hands out yeah, and goes horizontal effect. and then goes yep. into Rose the Hat's head, that is so that's right out of the Dark Tower. So that was established in the second Dark Tower book, that okay. ability. But that is like cool, that's in the Dark Tower. But that visual way of 
doing things wasn't something we saw in The Shining and it's kind of like it was better for it. Like imagine if we'd seen in The Shining Danny do that and then go into like Dick's head or something like that. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, I just, I see it as Danny was a kid at the time and he didn't understand his abilities really. He didn't know what he could do. Mm. Yeah. So I could see it as almost like this is this is the evolution of what it is to shine. Yeah. And what it's all about. Well, ultimately, I would say that it, I really very much enjoyed this the That's second good. time around. I'm much glad you more watched the director's cut. That's I'm good. glad I did as well. I'm mm. very glad and relieved because I only opened the case up yesterday and I was like, oh, fuck, I do have the director's cut. Mm. <laughs> so that was I mean, good. But I mean. um, The Shining reigned supreme for me for what it doesn't say. For all that's good in this film about what it does say, The Shining works for me for what it doesn't. Yeah. Shall I, just before we go to our, our rating, shall I give you a couple of things that were taken from the theatrical? Yeah. Um, I've pretty much gone through most of the best bits that have been taken out, but chapter titles, they were not in the theatrical. I think yeah, that, it's that quite worked nice. very well. Yeah, the chapter titles nice. made everything a bit more ominous, actually. Yeah, and that is one of the chapter titles is actually where you get that sweeping shot through the overlook to the whiskey glass. Yes. just after a chapter title which is which was quite nice and the last chapter title which says forgotten something as it's swooping over the uh, it's that same Kubrick uh, shot from the opening of forgotten. The Shining That's what was it. forgotten yeah. mm. what did we have we had um, old ghosts empty devils little spy turn world parlor tricks and what was forgotten six chapters yeah lovely um. Oh yeah, the in the theatrical there wasn't the stuff about wanting to use Abra like a cow, wanting to right. milk her. So Adam, they didn't just want to get her and suck the steam from her. They wanted to use her like a cow where they can just drip feed themselves and like just basically. I thought that's why they put it in those vases things and they opened. No, the they vase. wanted to keep her alive, okay. so they they have a constant place to feed from. Okay. Which I thought was quite creepy to use like a cow. Um, oh, and a thing I loved between the conversation—I mean, the, the conversation between Danny and Jack is wonderful, anyway. Yes. But um, I loved the, the the bit where he says, "This drunk, this drink will cost an awful lot," and he's like, "Your money's no good here." Mm. Oh, I oh, thought yeah. that was fucking wonderful, and he says, "It'll That's cost they more." Said that in the normal one. But he says it'll cost more than money. It'll cost me eight years, eight behind me, and who knows how many in front of me. Yeah, that's correct. And then he says the whole thing about the drink takes a man. Yes, that's that's the absolute best uh, line in the whole thing and one of the best lines I've heard in films for ages. Unfortunately, that's not Stephen King. That was F. Scott Fitzgerald about 50 years ago, but still, it's a great line. Yeah, great line. Absolutely. And Stephen King can write alcoholism because he was an alcoholic for so long. So when he's writing that, that's probably why those lines work so well because he's writing from an authentic point of view he was an mm-hmm. alcoholic and he knows the risk if he falls back yeah and last one i'll say is dan spills his drink on the bar and then jacks takes him into the bathroom and cleans him up like it does in the shining and it's wonderful. almost like an exact shot for shot yeah yeah uh, recreation where ewan mcgregor has his back to the camera just like jack nicholson did while grady was cleaning him up only mm. his dad is now in the grady uniform mm-hmm. as well and he's trying to turn him against Abra at that moment, isn't he? Yeah. Fucking wonderful. 
Henry Thomas did a great job as Jack Nicholson. He did. The only thing that was slightly over the top was the eyebrows. They were too prominently pointy. Like, they clearly <laughs> were like, oh, Jack Nicholson had these pointy eyebrows, and they did it just a little too, a much. Jack, too much. Jack Nicholson ever made a comment about it? No. He was asked to be in it, but he declined. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, know, I think it's probably better to have... He would have been well old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't worked. know if he's ever, like, commented on it and said if he actually liked it or, like... No, but he's, he's got... The man's got Alzheimer's now. He's been had Alzheimer's for years. That's why he's just out of the public eye. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was, he retired ages ago as well, didn't he? Yeah. I don't think he's even probably seen the film. We love you, Jack. We do. Yeah, but it was very strong. It was good. Um... I'd probably watch it again in the coming years as well. Yeah. Um, Stick to the director's cut. I did like the uh, when Rose the Hat is knocked down the stairs and she's about to kill Danny. And then he says, uh, I'm about to let them out and they're hungry. And mm-hmm. all of the ghosts from The Shining come out. That was yes. cool. Yeah. I thought he was going to lie on the stairs in exactly the same way that Jack did. But he fell to the bottom rather than on the step. I'm sad we didn't see the little like dog bear thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have. That's one of the most disarming things in The Shining. Like, what the hell was going on? <laughs> Just because it was like a so much shit went on there, like these sexual orgies. Yeah. It's almost like an eyes wide shut. Uh, yeah, yeah. Precursor to the shit that went on in Eyes Wide Shut. I don't think it would have played well if one of them was a furry dog no, it walking towards have. Rose the Hat. It wouldn't have, no. <laughs> Apparently, all of the stuff that uh, Rebecca Ferguson was wearing, like in her hair and on her wrist and all that stuff, were all kids' braids, toys. Like mm. the thing that's tied into her hair is the bicycle chain of a, of a kid's bike. It's meant yeah. to be like all trophies from the kids that she's had. Yeah, trophies. What I didn't think the last comment on this really is the rest of the true not aside from her and the guy who was in Fargo and mm-hmm. obviously the giant from Twin Peaks yeah the the like sort of fringe uh characters part of that group were like well these are like shit extras these are like extras yeah. you'd see in a sitcom they don't even look like the kind of people who would be part of this malevolent troupe they just look mm-hmm. like ordinary fucking people I'm sure got a little bit Huh? That's about it. Lonnie got a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah, Lonnie. Lonnie got a little bit. Lonnie was kind of cool. Um, but I agree. Yeah, they didn't really do much. It was more just have that kind of that mob of them like swarming in, like when when um, Flick, Grandpa Flick, is that what we called him? Yes, yes I, I think that's it. Right. When they like when he dies and they all just swarm in, it's like fucking vultures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm, they just need that that pack. Need that pack mentality. Yes, terrible jackals they were. Are you very? Yeah. It had a very, like, Walking Dead feel about it to me, that gang. Mm. Okay, yeah. It seemed like they were straight out of the Walking Dead. I kind of see what you mean with that, yeah. But yeah, I think, like, for me, I prefer a more intimate story as well, and it was so big, sprawled over so many different places, so many characters. I just... The the thing that works so well about the the Shining is that it's completely remote. remote. They yeah. are shut off, and it is the thing is it's not here's a victim and a villain. It's like here is a man with his wife and his kid, and he's a fucking monster. That mm-hmm. is intense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was I would I would normally opt for a fucking isolated film over most, mm. but this just. This fucking just pays off the shining for me. I suppose nobody's made an overlook hotel hotel. 
I know. There is, funnily enough, in Banff, in Canada, there is this beautiful hotel. I call, I think it might be called the Fairmont uh, in, like, the Calgary snowy regions. And uh, it looks so similar to the um, to the Overlook. When I first saw well, it, I, guess I thought, it's that this is where they filmed it. area of the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Very good. Right, should we go to our ratings? Well, go on. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10, everyone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's the theatrical. I mean, I really like the theatrical anyway. I might have even given that a nine, but as soon as I watched the director, I was like, it's fucking ten. Ooh. And I stick with it. I was very surprised when I saw your score. Last night after I watched it, I went in and I was like, fuck, I thought he gave it a nine, but ten is... uh, A lot. No one gives out tens quite like Paul. This is Paul. Scott does. Yeah, Scott gives everything a fucking ten. This is Paul's fourth ten of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. You know the funny thing though, if you go on my letterbox, you've got you've given more tens than I have of films. Well, possibly, yeah. It's just the fact that everyone keeps choosing ten out of ten films <laughs> that I've seen. Well. <laughs> You're trying to sabotage me. Trying to sabotage me. Maybe look like I give ten out of tens for everything. There is no tens. <laughs> me and Adam have given nothing a ten this year unless we're about to give tens. Right this second. <laughs> Adam Adam was the king of tens in twenty twenty. He gave four tens in twenty twenty. So the same yeah, amount of tens you've given in this year. In twenty twenty one you gave none, no. Paul gave four tens last year. So Paul is four king tens the this tens. year, four tens last year, two tens in twenty twenty, five tens in twenty nineteen, and one ten in twenty eighteen. Anyway, should I go with my score? Anyway. This is like an end of year wrap up thing, not a. I oh, know. Yeah, go on. <laughs> end sorry. Mid August. <laughs> Got distracted with all the tens. Um, I keep this film at an eight. I gave it an eight when I first watched it, and it stays at an eight. Oh, is that so? Here. You gave it an eight beforehand. Yeah. You gave it an eight beforehand. Okay. Well, I gave it a seven beforehand, and so of course on revision, uh, I'm bumping it up, and it goes to a, a very great eight. So it is a, an eight from from me as well. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. So what does that mean? That means we're on an 8.66, which means this goes into our top 20 of all time. Paul will be very well, happy, well, we and, and, and I'm happy I'm happy enough for mm. that. It's been a three-year wait. I'm happy enough Has for it to Has it knocked out Mario? No, it's knocked out Mario. <laughs> Mario. It's, uh, it's very sadly pushed smoke out of the top 20, Ooh. which is kind of fitting considering the addiction that these uh, oh, yes. True Not folk had for <laughs> smoke and link. steam. Yes. <laughs> so we lose smoke. But where do we place Doctor Sleep? Well, decisions must be made. So I know what Paul's going to say here. Well, we know. So first of all, the lowest of the 8.66s, which is an 8.7 as far as we're concerned, listeners, because we round everything up, the Batman. So for me, fuck, I've got to think about this. Come back to me. Adam, is it better or worse than the Batman? I think the Batman's better. Well, it's below the Batman then. (laughs) Uh, I do... Instinctively think that do- I do prefer the Doctor Sleep to the Batman now because the more time's mm. going by, the least the less I like the Batman. But too little, to too late. It. I know. And Adam, would you believe it? That means uh, the film directly underneath it now is Midsummer, oh. which was the other film you were going to potentially be bringing up in this episode. <laughs> yes. Oh no, that was no, the last episode. episode you were going to do it. Yes. Oh yeah. He said a cat. We Still paid for our sins there, didn't we? There we go. So maybe uh, <laughs> Midsummer is just in our top 20 and the new number 19 is Doctor Sleep. Uh, above that is The Batman, Uncut Gems, John Wick Chapter 3, The Nice Guys, Moonlight, Nocturnal Animals and Three Billboards, all on 8.77. Wonderful stuff. 
That's a nice what? little placement. I'm happy with that. That's good. Yeah. There you go. You're happy with that, Paul? Yes, yes. Should we move on to what our lovely followers on Twitter have to say about this film? Let's see yes. what they said. First of all, we've got Luke Cuban, and he says, This is top-tier King storytelling. McGregor puts in a full... McGregor? Oh, McGregor. <laughs> I was thinking, McGregor. the fuck's McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> McGregor puts in full effort, and although he overshadows her... Ferguson creates one of the 21st century's most memorable villains. Despite not matching the cinematic quality of The Shining, this eclipses it for sheer exhilarating storytelling. <gasps> one up for Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have our other patron, uh, Sean Panner Nicholson. He says, genuinely love it. It's a disturbing and very well-constructed film that rewards multiple viewings. A worthy sequel in my eyes, and I'm so happy you guys are covering it. Oh, thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Uh, next up is uh, James, James Stewart from the For Your Reconsideration podcast, who says, managed to achieve the incredibly difficult balancing act of being an effective sequel to both Kubrick and King's versions of The Shining, as well as a faithful adaptation of King's 2013 novel of the same name. Mike Flanagan is one of the best horror filmmakers currently working. Big words. And, you know, I, yeah, I kind of said it in the opening, but it is very true. The thing that is the greatest success of this is being able to convert three different pieces of work into this film mm, yeah to make sure king happy plus kubrick fans but obviously mm. he didn't make everyone happy but i reckon if you had to say who was more disappointed with this film it's not going to be stephen king fans it's more likely to be the kubrick shining fans yeah who are like yeah, yeah, this yeah. isn't the shining yeah um next we have the contrarians oh, wow netwall this is not just the contrarians. This is Julio because, of course, he <laughs> says, "Better than The Shining by a lot." Yeah, wow. <laughs> see, uh, Julio, stop it, man! <laughs> just stop it now with this. He's just baiting you. Yeah, he didn't. He's need not to baiting add, me. He didn't need to add by a lot. He did that because he <laughs> knew that that was baiting the hook. That is what he did by adding by a lot. That's baiting the fucking hook. And you know what, Julio? I'm not biting. <laughs> Sounds like you. Bit. I never knew. I thought he. I'm so surprised <laughs> he doesn't like this film. No, Julio liked it. No, I mean The Shining, sorry. Oh, I know. He's the contrarian, mate. He also is not really into horror. That's true. Okay. That's yeah. true. Yeah, and also he thinks Rob Zombie's Halloween is the best Halloween film because <laughs> because of all the backstory it gave Michael Myers. This sounds no, no, like you bit irritated. the hook. He bit the hook. <laughs> no, I'm not biting the hook. I'm just saying that. But I'm saying that is exactly what I'm saying is when I was comparing the whole thing of explaining Michael Myers earlier, that's exactly what I don't want. I don't want the explanation. But yes. see, Julio wants the explanation. So do he I. got that with Doctor Sleep. And mm-hmm. there you go. I just don't think everything needs to be explained. I think audiences are more you're intelligent going, you're than going. that. You're I'm just going. saying we're more intelligent than that. We don't need always to be provided with, and this is why this has happened. It's not lazy writing to not give an explanation. It's actually like I trust the viewers. I trust you to interrogate and interact with this piece of work. When Kubrick released The Shining, he challenged audiences to engage with it, connect, like find something in there. So what, what is it that's making you uncomfortable? Whereas when Flanagan released this, he's like, here's a bunch of horror shit. And that's cool. But there was nothing, there was nothing to ben, you've gone. interrogate. You've gone. Well, ben, I'm done. Contrarians, I'm done. Look what, got you. Look I'm what done. by a lot did. <laughs> Never say by a lot again, Julio. Hey, Julio, you won. <laughs> <laughs> um, before Ben goes off again, um, next up we have The Office Nomad. Um, they said, I am a huge Stephen King fan, so I'm always slightly reticent when a film tries to recreate his book. 
this was a resounding success, though. I'm already on multiple watches. Very good, uh, Office Nomad. Very good. And uh, finally, Holmes Movies podcast says it's a great horror film, and Mike Flanagan did a fantastic job adapting it. A much more rewarding and satisfying film than The Shining. I do have to say, I'm very surprised by the comments mm. uh, saying this because, um, I mean, I mean, if you if you if you if you break those words down, you are getting rewarded and satisfied because you're getting answers. Yeah, I guess that's where. But it, de- but it depends what you take reward and satisfaction from. Like exactly. what I find rewarding is having to think and interrogate a film like Very that. true. Very true. You know, th- okay, basically, put it this way. Anyone who enjoyed this because it of what it did as over the shining is less likely to like something like Twin Peaks, for example, where there are no explanations. Apart from me. Apart from you, but you're some weird anomaly. <laughs> I, I d- I'm a hybrid. Think... I can like both. <laughs> yes, I tell you what. I tell you what, Paul. If um, if the Twin Shining Peaks did it, if, if David Lynch did one that answered all the questions, I'd love it more. <laughs> no, 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 no. If The Shining was yes. an unknown film, nobody yeah. knew about it. You discovered it one night and you watched it. Mm-hmm. You'd be all over that shit. It'd be ten out of ten. Ten out of ten for you. Yeah, it's it's to do with the oversaturations that everyone loves it. So I don't have to. I don't feel like I because it because it's known as a, an amazing film. I go into it thinking I need to be amazed, so it never mm. delivers completely. Yeah, yeah, but you need not. But that you know, you don't have to go in that way. I know, but like if if we're watching Super Mario Bros, we're going expecting to be really upset by it but then we come out feeling oh yeah quite like that you know there you go yeah it's true anyway that's that (laughs) there's a lot of wrong people in the comments this week and like i say it's a very good film but my goodness (laughs) anyone saying that this is uh surpassing the shining needs to go back to film school uh that'll be me well go back back. (laughs) go back and pay attention this time very good right that is the end of Doctor Sleep. Does that mean you want me to tell you what we're doing next time? Let's hear what we're doing next time. We actually already know. I've already discussed it. I know. Well, well, yes, know. We know, but the listeners don't know. The listeners don't know. I thought it was very fitting that we come back to something that's very relevant right now because everyone who's interested in this franchise should be watching it. And we're watching it for sure. And we've been discussing it every week. Yes. But we're doing El Camino next week, the Breaking we Bad film. We are. This is a. Well, it's going to be a meaty subject, isn't it? There's a lot. Yes. A lot of source material that comes with this. Yes, and we're also being joined by your friend Francis, Adam. Oh, is he still coming along? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was coming along. Yes. And for yeah. those of you who don't know, we uh, were on Francis's uh, YouTube channel a few weeks ago talking yes. about the midweek, uh, mid midweek, mid season hiatus that Better Call Saul yeah. was on, discussing our predictions and thoughts on what had happened. So it'd be good to have him on the pods for sure, particularly talking about this. Absolutely, I'm very excited. Looking for, I'm looking forward to a rewatch of that film anyway. Well, I would love to try anything. and watch. The, we're going to record that on the day of the Better Call Saul finale, and I would love to try and get it watched beforehand. But we will oh, not talk about it. We lot. don't want to spoil anyone. <laughs> no, we can't talk about it. We can't. No. And in fact, yes, definitely not, because I will not be watching Better Call Saul till that evening. Yes. Anyway, El Camino next week. Hopefully you guys have watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. 
and you can get some enjoyment out of it. Otherwise, you know, you can just listen to us talk. How many times have you watched <laughs> El Camino? This is only once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, once. Um, yeah, I watched it again once since about know, last year or the year before. Okay. So, but again, it's been long enough time in the middle where it's a bit hazy. Hazy, baby. This shit is crazy, baby. Okay, thanks. Wicked. Okay, El Camino next week. Hell yes. I'll find the time to squeeze that in while I'm on holiday. Yes, please. Shall we move on to what our patrons have to say this week? Let's hear yes. it. Right, yes, we have a patron channel at www.patreon.com. Floors has Flumbusters. You're weird then. Flumbusters. That was actually me with my voice. It wasn't actually anything. Do you know when Zoom sometimes lagged and it catches up with all the speed and it goes quickly? That's what you sounded like. Leave that in. Yes, I will. Patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. We have exclusive content. You can control the show. You can suggest films. And we have some wonderful people over there, just like the likes of Andy Bishop. Yes, we do. We have Ben from Film Floggers. We have Mark and Steve from Movie Drone. We have Brent from Home Video Hustle. Yes, we also have Jason Clarkson. We have Luke Human. We have Fiona Stewart. Yes, we do. We also have Sean Pander Nicholson. We have Nerd Revert. We have Julio, who loves Doctor Sleep more than The Shining. <laughs> We've got uh, the old favourite, Jamie Russell. And the old, old favourite, Katie and OT. Yes, Katie. the original gang at the bottom there. They'll be joining us soon, very, very soon, for our yes, final film of 2019. Elves, yes. Just got to find the time, because they're in different time zones. Oh, yes. Perhaps they are, they are. It's taken us over a month to arrange it. And all these people like to send us what they've been watching this week, the best and the worst, and here they are. First, we've got Luke Human, and he says, I sat through 2009's god-awful Hatchy, A Dog's Tale. The fact that this is in the top IMDb 250 only goes to show the public's weird obsession with the anth- anthropomorphism of animals. It, did I even say that right? Anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism of animals. Almost nothing goes on for the mercifully short runtime, and presumably we are expected to remain engaged by a canine understandably unable to comprehend the concept of death. A cat would have just got the fuck on with his life. Two out of ten. I cried at that film, Luke. I know. There's a bit harsh on that. I (laughs) I kind of get why people don't get it. Like, if you're like, (laughs) if you don't. Engage with the dog, you're not going to get the film. It's There's true. nothing else going for you. But that's a very harsh review. I like it, but it's no Marley and me. Um, I cry at both. Uh, I, th- I feel like maybe Marley and me is a bit more manipulative. Oh, yeah, 100% it is. Because mm. it's like the dog closing his eyes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's but just it- the fact that this story's true really kind of hits home with it. Yes, yeah. I think that's what helps. And it's the also the true. dogs. I don't know. I like you have dogs and they do that kind of shit. The dog in this is nicer than the dog in Marley and Me, though. And Akita, isn't it? I love an Akita. Akita, Akita dogs are lovely. Yes. Mm. But it's also very whitewashed because this did not happen in America. No, exactly. That's (laughs) that's the big problem with it, I would say. (laughs) Yes. Um, Next, he says, Fortunately, I also watched 2021's The Card Counter. Trader shows he can still deliver a thematically rich screenplay and also be a competent 
director in this dark offbeat drama. Control and the illusion of control is central to the narrative, but responsibility and justice are also prominent. The world of card gambling could be a heavy-handed metaphor, but works well here, mainly due to Isaac's convincing portrayal. His insular card counter is suitably hard to read, offering the audience another level of mystery. However, it is Haddish that is the most pleasant surprise, finding that she can play subtly straight when required and can ooze femme charisma. Schrader's direction has enough style to be individual and he makes a particularly effective choice to convey his message. A superb original dramatic thriller depicting the collision of past, present and legacy. I actually really been wanting to see this because I keep, it keeps popping up. It's I, on Sky now at the moment. It came yeah, on that's, Sky that's recently. Why, yeah. yeah. Anything by Paul Schrader, I'm I'm interested in. I remember watching it. I remember wanting to go to the cinema to see it when it didn't really get like a big release. No, for some didn't. reason. I don't um, know how but... I feel about Oscar Isaac though as an actor because I feel mm. like he. I've taken against him probably wrongly because a film Twitter are all in love with him and b he's involved in. I don't know whether it's the Star Wars or the Marvel universes or both, both quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I'm against him. I can't actually think of anything His I've seen. In Star him. Wars is good. Yeah, but they're, they're no good. Poe po Dabber and a Moon Knight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll Disney see all boy. of that. Get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm interested in the car counter. It's been on my list for a very long while. Same. Yeah, me too. We'll check it out when we can check it out. Yes, mm. please. Uh, next up, we have Katie and Oti. Uh They said double feature of Nope and 1933's King Kong. Um, strongly recommend them both. Lots of tasty... More cells to consume. More cells. More cells. They were French morsels. <laughs> Lots of Do you want morsels. some more cells with your wine? More <laughs> A bottle of wine with your more cells. <laughs> Lots of tasty morsels to consume. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well yeah. done. She says it right. She's written it down correctly this time. She so did say it correctly. Not oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Z- yeah. Zero, zero, zero. Guess what? What? I watched King Kong today. For the very reason I wanted to listen to the episode. I saw that you did, and I thought your review, it was almost a passive-aggressive response to their episode. I haven't listened to the episode yet. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I'm interested (laughs) to see what um, their comments are, if any, on the basis of that. Oh, wow. I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. They don't like it. I'm, I'm guessing they obviously didn't like it. No, I, I mean, did see like, them post something about the racial undertones of King Kong, and I know there is a lot of that with it, and I get why that comes across, and I get why people can completely look past it. But at the same time, once you see it, you can't really unsee it. It's that. So if they've it, come at it from that angle, then it, it, I it's completely that. get that. And I think considering that, it's really seen... hard to look past if you if that, if that gets you in the neck straight away. Well, considering that. They've seen Nope, and Jordan Peele has compared Nope to that. Um, there, there's clearly a lot of synergy. It's like that in Tarzan, isn't it? It's that that whitewashing and yeah, the whole undertones of the film that whether they were intentional are quite. It's, it's the there. The thing I is, we say, are. I wouldn't the... say King Kong's whitewashing though. No, 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 it's not. You not King Kong's not whitewashing. Term, Humans are the monsters in that story. I know, yes, but they but also kind the, of make the native, like the way that the yeah. natives are treated in it, what King Kong represents, yeah. what mm. the fact that a white woman is the thing that is in danger, etc. I did, I did see that as well. 
Still gave um, it an eight, though. <laughs> I still gave it an eight. I, mean, it I, I know the I mean, story. Yeah. The, I know the story already. It, it played. Mm. The, I'm surprising how close it was to the Peter Jackson remake. It, well, like, that it, Peter Jackson remake is shit, though. I like the Peter Jackson remake. Oh, that's crap. Yeah, um, I remember enjoying it at the time, but I don't think rubbish. I look back on it with any. You just loved all the fucking computer well, yeah, generated but I was imagery because like you were 10. twelve when that film exactly. came out. Exactly, so you're, like, you're oh, a child. Fun. You're a yeah. child with a fucking rattle in front of you. <laughs> Grow up. I can't remember that. That film came out ages ago now. Though, Do you want me to it? strap you into your pram a little tighter, little baby? <laughs> yes. Mm. Anyway, I will be going to watch Nope. I don't know when, maybe at the weekend at, or some point, but I will be seeing it very soon. Yeah, I'll be seeing it. I don't know that I'll be going to the cinema anymore. Too fucking expensive. Ooh. Yes. I was going to renew my Picture House membership today. Yeah, I think I've. Uh, do you know what? Mine I think expired I'm out last week. With the, with the cinema now. And they oh, are going to send son. me an extra free tickets for it. So I'd have eight free tickets for the year. So I think that's probably worthwhile. The world that we're living in now, the cost of living crisis, I just think uh, as much as I love cinema, I'm, I'm, I'd rather pay for it at home. It's just crazy, yeah. It's crazy expensive. It would have to be a really special film to get me out of the house to see it. Yeah, this is what I've been saying for years, mate. <laughs> mm, yeah, but sitting on the sofa still doesn't quite compare to... I don't no, care how big your TV is, it doesn't. It's something not the like same Top as Gun Maverick, you have to see it in the cinema. You watch it at home, you're missing half the fucking experience. But anyone could make that argument for any film, and it is true. Any film is going to be better on the big screen, hundred percent. It, it depends on whether you like it or not. That's it. It depends what you're going to get out of it. But I do think it's just too, uh, it's too fucking expensive now. That's why I'm willing to just wait. I'm willing for these to wait these films out. I'd rather pay. 16 quid for me and Jenny to watch it at home then pay 30 quid for us both to go to the cinema and watch it yeah I could, especially if you've got kids and shit like yeah I get why people rent the films when they come out like Jurassic Park's out now in the fucking half term mm. mm-hmm. yeah like, I don't know how those guys from movie drone do it every single week they go to their that local cinema there's the lighthouse in Sittingbourne they're there expensive every there? single week I don't think it's probably not that expensive. That's true. See, my local cinema is just open now, and it's only six pound for a ticket. Yeah, so well, that's worth it. My local cinema's an everyman, so it's like an arm and a leg. I went to Picture House to see Bullet Train the other day, and it was like to see what thirteen quid for a ticket. Bullet Train. What are you going to see that for? It's good fun. That film. I enjoyed it. And maybe it's not a cinema film. You've got to see it in the cinema, though. You don't have to see it on the big screen. It's it's enjoyable in the cinema. Anyway, seeing The Shining on the big screen is one hell of an experience. Come on, let's move on to the last patron who says, uh, this is Sean Panda Nicholson, and uh, I requested to read this one out because uh, of what he's talking about. I watched both Beavis and Butthead films and loved both of them. I understand that if you don't like their humour, you won't enjoy it, but it hits me right in my funny bone. Beavis and Butthead Do America has that nostalgia factor for me, and I was surprised to find I remembered almost every single line of its ridiculous script. The soundtrack absolutely slaps as well with the Red Hot Chili Peppers cover of Love Roller Coaster being a particular highlight. Yes, indeed. And the whole Rob Zombie designed that whole segment of the film. He sketched all of it for the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers segment. Very good. Mm. Uh, Beavis and Butter Do the Universe does exactly the same as its predecessor, but in a really interesting way. Plopping our heroes into the modern world with their 90s sensibilities was a stroke of genius, and I applaud Mike Judge for it. Well worth the Paramount Plus free seven-day trial. I agree. If you like Beavis and Butthead, they are essential viewing. If you don't like Beavis and Butthead, then there's nothing I can do for you. Sean, agree 100%. And let me tell you, Sean, you may want to pay for that Paramount Plus subscription to continue because Mike Judge has created and has started releasing a new series of Beavis and Butthead just 
on Paramount Plus. There's two episodes ready and waiting for you to go there. So go sign up again. It's included with your Sky Cinema membership, I think. I don't know. You have Sky Cinema, you get it for free now. So, well, there you go. Check it out. And uh, uh, Sean is obviously on a Mike Judge kick as well because uh, he was asking about King of the Hill and where he could oh, buy yeah. the King of the Hill series the other day. King of the Hill has, I think I mentioned this before. Me and Jenny fall asleep to King of the Hill every night. We put our DVD on and we we turn it onto black screen and set the timer and we fall asleep to King of the Hill and have done for the last three, four, maybe even longer years. It's well, just the sound, not the the episodes. Yeah. So you don't we, have we don't, the actual screen on, you just have the sound coming no, out? No, yeah, we don't have the screen on. We turn it onto black screen and then we fall, we fall asleep listening to King of the Hill. It's, uh, so what does it come out like a sound bar or something? How does it still play? Just because you can turn the screen black but have the sound playing through the speakers. Can you? Yeah. Well, hmm. we can on the Samsung. I don't know what telly you've got. I mean, I probably... It's Samsung as well. I'm a problem. Yeah, I've never yeah, looked into that option. Can. Just do it. It's, but if you like falling asleep to stuff, set your timer and then um, go into the picture settings and then you can go light, medium, dark, light, medium, hard and then dark. Turn it to dark, which shuts the whole screen off, but you can still hear it playing. Have you ever turned on the TV the next day and thought, oh, the TV's broken? No, because when you turn it back on, once you've set the sleep timer, it shuts off. Then when you turn it back on, it's all okay. This is all very technical conversation for this part of the podcast. <laughs> That's very sweet anyway. Yes. I like the fact that you fall asleep to that. Thank you. Very beautiful. Thanks. That's the end of the episode, guys. That's all our patrons. That's all our patrons. That's the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us for Dr. Steep. And come and join us at the Patreon now where we're going to talk about the unsung heroes of the Stephen King movie-verse. Oh, yes. Let's go into it now. Come on. Join now. Sign up to be a patron now. Sign we're up now. Talk we're over there. We're talking now. Do it now. Do it now. That's a Predator reference. <laughs> I hated, or if you don't she, do it I hated when she said do it now in, in Prey. I was like, fuck off. Why have you Did she say do it directly now? referenced? Yeah, she's there. She's yeah, going, she, come on, do it. it. Quite, do and it they now. said if it bleeds, we can kill it. As yeah, well. I heard yes. that one. Everyone's creaming themselves over it. Idiots. Just stop being <laughs> so reactive. Adam, you're giving that an eight. In a week, you'll have forgotten. Yeah, but it's still a fun film. It, I wouldn't call it fun. Entertaining. It was okay. <laughs> We'll not get into that now because we'll probably end up talking about it at the end of the month. 